Welcome back to Sportsbeat. Today is March 9th, and I happen to be at home, and Dave is in the studio um, making sure things are manned and ready. And we're getting snow. Where did the snow come from? All the snow was gone. Our, our driveways were bare. and Yeah, I, it, it was, and they said less than an inch. I got news from I just shoveled thinking you were coming here to the studio, and there's more than an inch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we've uh, we've got Tyler, who is down in Atlanta Motor Speedway. Snow doesn't exist in your world. Cold might, snow doesn't. Yeah, well, snow doesn't so far. But I gotta say, I'm I'm you know we've talked before, and I've made the jokes about hey, I'm not going to see any snow. But this past weekend out in Las Vegas, you wouldn't think snow in Las Vegas, but they had sleet and snow coming down while they were trying to race. So I'm not going to tempt fate. I'm just going to say I'm happy there's no snow here right now. I know what snow is because I used to live in New York, but I enjoy the Atlanta weather a little better. That's it. That's exactly it. Except you can get back to me in August, and we'll we'll trade at that point. Yeah, because it'll be it'll be sweltering heat, and so th- thank you for coming on. I know when we had talked earlier, you had said that uh, you know NASCAR is coming back to Atlanta here in the next couple of weeks, and your schedule is going to start filling in pretty quick with all the media events and stuff you have to do when teams starting to arrive. And the last time we talked, you were getting ready to rip up a track. So how did that all go and, and go from there? Well, as, as you can imagine, with any large construction project, it wasn't completely flawless, right? You know, you, you get up and, uh, you know, well, I say you get up. I mean, uh, all I did was document the thing. The real people capable of doing real work were out there uh, figuring out the problems. But uh, they, did, they did a really awesome job. And, uh I mean, it was amazing coming in. Our offices, they have windows looking out over the track. And every day you just look outside and say, oh, that's changed. Oh, that's changed. And I mean, literally watching them carve into the the embankment where, you know, the asphalt used to be and shaping it, making it even steeper, all the while making sure their equipment wasn't sliding <laughs> down that now steeper embankment. I mean, it was incredible stuff to watch. And uh, the result is a really beautiful racetrack out the window now. So... Uh, it, it was really incredible. And Hey, in uh, nine days, we're going to have cars and trucks on track here, trying it out for the first time. And so I I know when we had you on last, um, Kyle was on with us and we were talking about, so what you you did construction, you resurfaced the track. What's the new difference between the track? I know you guys were talking angles, how long extensions, what's new about the track versus the old ones that the drivers are going to see. The, the, the couple of things that are going to stand out to the drivers, I'll start with the lesser of the two. Uh, not to say that it is not a big change, but the front stretch has been widened immensely. Uh, as they went through and did this project, they removed some of the infield grass and went ahead and paved it. So uh, depending on the kind of rules that they're given uh, for the race here in a week and a half, they may or may not have the ability to go fanning out five wide, six wide, if they have uh, the desire and the gall to do it on the front straightaway. So that's the one big change. But the, the, the really, really big change is not on the straightaway. It's when they get into each of the sets of corners. Uh, the banking in the corners has gone up from 24 degrees to 28 degrees. Now, you say the number 24, you say the number 28, and it doesn't sound like a very big difference. But one, when you're traveling at 180, 190 miles an hour, Anything like that is going to make a huge difference. And I can tell you, even just being a schlub like myself, walking around out there and walking up and down, the banking, just checking things out, it is massively different walking up and down that thing. And even driving around uh, in a a regular uh, street vehicle, you can feel the difference in that. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what that does to the racing. Is it going to be significantly different because of the new cars how do you think it's going to impact them well the the certainly i mean we've seen the new cars have changed just about everything uh so far this year i mean the race that they had out there in the la coliseum i mean most of the drivers testified that hey we wouldn't have been able to do this period with the old car just because they weren't nimble enough to do this um daytona was a bit more of uh what you'd expect out of daytona but still nonetheless it had its own unique quirks because of uh, the design of this car, and we've been watching the last two weeks these teams, these drivers, you know, everybody involved, these you know, really great racing minds having to learn in front of all of us, in front of millions, uh, as they've been, uh, you know, 
having varied levels of success doing that. I mean, the practice session at Fontana there a couple of weeks ago was about as exciting a practice as I've ever seen with, you know, people spinning out and just trying to hold on as they were learning what to do. And uh, the racing has has followed suit. So undoubtedly, uh, it's going to have an effect on this race, but even more so because of what they've done out here, repaving and reprofiling this track. That has prompted NASCAR to put the Super Speedway package onto the cars. The same style of cars that race at Daytona are going to be racing here at Atlanta because they're expecting the speeds to be very high. So that's probably going to bring the cars a lot closer together, have them on top of each other throughout more of the run. It's really going to emphasize drafting. And you know the idea is to have them side by side and uh, on top of each other throughout the whole afternoon. Oh. Has uh, I know you said teams and drivers haven't reported yet and will in a, in, in a couple of weeks' time or a week's time here, but has anybody done any type of testing of the track in terms of some pace car or anything like that? And what have those drivers reported back? Yeah, we've had um, it, there's been some of that. Um, in fact, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, Marcus Smith, who uh, is the CEO of Speedway Motorsports, our parent company, uh, he came down, hopped in the pace car, and took a few laps to see, uh, you know, just how the work went, right, from a firsthand experience. But um, more to the point, uh, we've had NASCAR drivers come down for uh, some select tests. Now, it's only a handful of them, and it's been a far cry from a full field of drivers. Um, so there's, there's some that's been learned, and there's still a lot of unknown about what's going to happen in a race condition, especially because of what I said with drafting being uh, such a big part of what they're expecting the racing to be. They were here in January testing just a week or two after the work had finally been completed. Um, and in a single car run, they were running, I think, mid-31 second range, uh, getting around this 1.54-mile track. And with three cars out there drafting together, they were going a second to a second and a half faster. Uh, now, that's just based on what I was clocking out, out the window watching eagerly, right? But, <laughs> but, but, that, but, they, but they also right. backed it up. They said the speeds were so much higher when they were drafting. They, it was higher than they even expected. And that just speaks to how important it's going to be to, uh, to be working with somebody to uh, be building speed. And, you know, that's... That's the kind of thing that we've typically seen out of Daytona and Talladega over the last few decades. And it's something that, to some extent, is going to be seen here in Atlanta. Now, all of them have said, hey, I think it's going to be a little bit different just because you're taking something that you're used to seeing at a two and a half and, you know, two and two thirds mile track, and you're putting it in a mile and a half package, right, uh, with the size of our track. So it's going to be its own unique spin for sure. Um, but it's, it's going to be something that we haven't seen before here. And, and you guys are getting in and, and looking at the season that we've already had, and, and this is just a, a casual observation. You've got new cars. You've got some new drivers across the field. There's been a lot of shuffling in the offseason. And rookies seem to be making a major impact here. Well, and that's, you know, what some people had uh, prognosticated uh, going into this year. You know, the new car was originally supposed to um, come out last year before, obviously, all the cha challenges that uh, the pandemic brought with it. Um, but everybody was saying, hey, what better time to elevate yourself into the Cup Series than when everybody's going back to square one? Um, Daytona is its own wild card, so um, seeing a rookie win there is not unheard of, but Austin Sindrick being able to pick up the win uh, over there was certainly impressive. And I think what is a bit more impressive is that he was able to leave Fontana the following week still the leader of the points uh, standings. Now, that's since gone away in Las Vegas, but that just sort of speaks to how quickly he was able to pick up uh, speed at Fontana and, you know, really hang with that experienced veteran group that's already a part of the cup series and part of that's because everybody's having to learn at the same time he's not as far behind the eight ball as a rookie as you might expect and we've seen todd gilliland uh mix it up a little bit as well and um poor harrison burton it seems like every time he's finally you know got a run going well uh, trouble finds him but you know all all three of them have had a, a good bit of speed so it's been a lot of fun watching them but i mean yeah, it just fits in with that theme of new that you've been talking about. There's there's something fresh every week 
uh, at every track that they're going to, even when it's something that's as known as, you know, Las Vegas or uh, Fontana or this weekend is Phoenix, you know, there's something new about the experience as somebody involved in the sport or even as somebody just sitting on the couch watching on TV because it doesn't look like anything that you've seen before or at least not in quite some time. And I, I got to say, there's there's a part of me wishing I wasn't having to work the race weekend here in Atlanta because I'd like to be all focused on every single moment uh, of what's happening on the racetrack here because I, I, I think it's going to be really, really exceptional. And, and, you know, I forget who it was. Somebody was talking. It might have been just like kind of like the, one of the news shows or talk radio where realistically everybody's a rookie this year because at some point you, you know how to drive, right? You, you've, you've gotten to this level because you know how to drive. It's not like it's your first time driving on a track behind, uh, you know, in a NASCAR. And especially like what I think is going to be interesting for you is not only are they still equipping, you know, data for a new car. And they'll have, what, five races under their belts. So, so, you know, you'll be the sixth race of the year. I think that's right. But Four points races and include the clash. Yeah, that would make us the sixth per- race. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> so uh, my math is great. Awesome. Good, good guess. But, but the, but <laughs> he just totally, a, totally dragged that out of somewhere. That's the, that's what I do. But <laughs> you guys also have a new track. So not only that, it's, it's going to be new car on a new track it's so really anything could happen i mean you you talk about daytona being its own beast and a little bit of a wild card not saying that atlanta is a wild card but with the newness of it and the throwing in the new car there's no real advantage anymore yeah i mean like i said i mean we've been seeing them having to learn as they go um at these tracks that they are more familiar with that they they have this known quantity of even with having a new car they have an idea of, you know, a target to shoot for because of what has worked for them in the past. Now that might end up meaning they have to shift a little bit for it to end up working with this new car, but they, they know generally what they're looking for with this new track, uh, behind me, I, you know, yeah, I got the pictures, uh, with the new track behind me, they, they don't have that to, uh, gauge off of. This is completely new. This is something that they, they haven't experienced before. It's the most steep, banked intermediate track on the circuit now there's there's truly nothing else like it so you know if if they go to phoenix this weekend and feel like they've they've sort of figured out okay what's the formula to make this new car work for their them as the drivers to you know okay compensate for what's different throw that out the window at least for atlanta week because they're going to have to figure it all out all over again and, and again, you know, I think that that helps the rookies more than it helps the veterans because it, it really creates a level playing field. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's what happens when everybody has to go back to uh, square one, right? I mean, everybody has to figure out, okay, well, what are the steps that I can take? You know, what are the things that I can do to make me go faster, to avoid that, that mistake that's going to really cost me? Now, the veterans of the sport still have hundreds and hundreds more races and you know the experience with that to draw from but you know there's sometimes there's some value to not knowing what you don't know right uh where the veterans might be a little bit hesitant to push the car up against its limit because they know what the the cost of that can be a rookie tends to just let it fly and see what happens so uh, you know it's it's a very you know risk reward sort of thing uh very high risk uh and, uh, you know, very high potential reward, but also high pitfall um, scenario. But, you know, it's something that's made this season really exciting for sure. And not only are you, a, you know, work for NASCAR and, and do what you do down in Atlanta, but you're also a fan of it. So as, as the as the fan aspect, what are you seeing? What are you looking forward to? And, you know, now that we're in a, a new season here yet again. So talking more broadly about the season, I mean, what I'm looking forward to is is a lot more of what I've seen. Uh, there was a big, there's been a big uh, amount of discussion within the industry, within the fandom of NASCAR about, okay, what should NASCAR be? What is the goal and what should the challenge be for the drivers? And uh, with this new car, I think they've kind of landed in a spot where the cars are really really challenging the drivers to just maintain control but it's not to the point where they can't race each other i mean we've seen some of the best racing that you can uh you can think back on at these intermediate uh tracks like auto club and las vegas 
while also having this element of the unknown of, okay, at any moment, somebody could make a mistake that's going to, you know, cost them uh, the lead, cost them a, a good finish, or, you know, cost them the entire race if they uh, mess up uh, as much as they, you know, as, as much that ends up putting them in the wall or making contact with somebody else. And as a purist racing fan, I don't want to see the crashes, but I want to see the struggle. I want to see all of these best drivers in the nation and, you know, arguably the world having to fight for every inch on that racetrack and earning every little bit of speed that they extract from those cars. And, you know, seeing a few of them overstep those bounds and, you know, Hey, having their day end because of it, it reinforces that. Okay. Everybody else that's out there is having to drive, you know, with every bit of talent that they have uh, behind that steering wheel. So um, that's been really exciting for me. It's really reminded me of when I was a younger kid watching in the early mid 2000s. And, you know, it's just it, it's kind of brought the spectacle back and really brought the fun back to the sport. So um, I'm really hoping that that uh, remains a, a part of the equation as the season goes on. Now, undoubtedly, some of that is going to be scienced out you know there, there's some really brilliant minds uh working on these cars uh, and for these race teams that are going to figure out how to extract speed without making it as uh risky for the drivers to get it out of those cars but without getting into the weeds there's a lot that they've done in the design of the car that basically has built into it a level of uh, a lack of forgiveness uh for an error um so i think it's going to be there no matter what they do, at least to some extent. And that's something I'm looking forward to. And of course, you know, on the micro, that's macro scale. On the micro scale, I'm looking forward to 11 days from now, seeing them take on, you know, this track behind me and, uh, you know, seeing how they handle that for 500 miles. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk, and after every race, it seems to find that the person whose day was ruined by, a, as you put, a miscalculation, and that drives the conversation that drivers have a lot to say about the cars. Some of them are lukewarm on them. Some are opposed. Some are fine. Um, do, do you think NASCAR, and, and there's been some talk whether there's going to be some mid-season changes if they do something. I personally don't see that happening. I think they at least write out the whole season and take a look at it afterwards to get a full view of everything that's gone on across the entire circuit for the Cup Series. Um, do you think that they do anything where they listen to the drivers? Because obviously safety is not compromised, but the ability for you to run the risk reward has been compromised. And I think that's what's frustrating a lot of people. Um, so what do you see on that? Yeah, I, I, I'll say, first of all, we, we've ended up at a different place with this car than might have been apparent even just four months ago. Um, and a lot of that has been because NASCAR has been, uh, you know, to a greater extent than uh, possibly in its entire history, working with the teams and taking in the feedback from the drivers. Um, and that's informed a lot of the decisions that have applied to the car that make it harder to handle. And to a large extent, that is what the teams want because that or maybe not so much the teams, but the drivers want because they feel, OK, that's going to allow me to shine. My talent is going to outshine over the person that can't overcome that challenge as well as I can. That being said, um, I tend to agree with you that I don't think there's going to be radical changes uh, throughout the course of the season um, as far as what will affect the racing product. But. There's definitely room for improvement on a, a few of the, you know, more finer details, especially when it comes to uh, what's going on when somebody spins out and these lower profile tires uh, lose the air, they blow out and the cars get stuck. Um, there's definitely if there's there's room to improve that. And if there's a fix that can be uh, put in or at least, you know, something that allows uh, a driver in that situation to limp the car back to the pits without losing several laps. I mean, there's going to be a penalty for having lost control and everything. And I think people in racing understand that, but it's just how much should that penalty be? Right. And a few laps is a, a, a few too many. Um, I think there's room for improvement there. And it's, it's something that has been talked about. And I don't think that the lack of solution is for a lack of trying or a lack of care. It's just, you know, a, a hard nut to crack, but I think they're going to keep working at it. Um, other than that, though, the, the racing product, as much as it has, you know, that risk reward for the drivers, there's there's a big appeal to that for the fans. And, and frankly, there's there's a, quite a bit of appeal for the drivers in that, too, because 
rather than getting out of the car as they might have in years past and saying, this is too easy to drive. All the guy in front of me had to do was block me, you know, use up the air in the lane that I needed to run and it completely neutralized my ability to get past him. Hey, they, that's not really so much uh, a part of the, uh, the equation now. And so if they overstep and get in the wall, yeah, they'll be frustrated and, you know, not happy that that happened, but it's more introspective at that point. I should have been better. I could have done something versus, well, I, I was prevented from being able to do something. So overall, uh, it's. I think it's gone in a very good direction, and I think there's certainly a, a lot of reason to let it breathe. But some of those finer things, uh, like the tires, are certainly an area that they could address. And and one and again, this, again, casual observation is a a moderate level fan, if you will. Is I, I don't think you're going to see the the able the ability to repeat as much like the the jimmy johnsons of the world where you you dominate a season and then dominate for multiple years and put dynasties together i i think it's i mean maybe a driver figures it out right we're talking six races and the cars are just coming online there's not really enough data to be able to look at a long-term picture um but i i really think that where driving is really going to matter and the the errors that are made in one in the pits because that's where a lot of things happen. And drivers on the track, I, I think you're going to see it spread out a little bit more where you know, you could have a driver, conceivably, especially this year with the, the all the changes that are there, you could have a driver who have won a race and doesn't automatically qualify, which hasn't yeah, happened. I mean, the, the, depending on how it plays out, yeah. I mean, we've seen some of these smaller teams. Uh, I, I, I shy away from putting Trackhouse in the smaller team category since they acquired Chip Ganassi Racing last year. But nonetheless, uh, Daniel Suarez, shoot, almost won that race in Fontana a couple weeks ago. And Ross Chastain was really strong this past weekend. You look at that team and you figure one of, if not both of those drivers are going to get a win. Eric Jones has been lighting it up to start the season. Um, obviously, the Penske cars are strong and one, you know, their rookie driver already has a victory. By extension, Harrison Burton, although he's a rookie, I mean, give him a shot at a few of these races. He might be able to peel off a win. And that's before you really get, you know, Penske, I would consider one of the juggernauts of the sport. But, you know, that's before you factor in the Stuart Haas racings, the Joe Gibbs racings, and the Hendrick Motorsports of the world. And by the time you add all that out, if each of those drivers were able to manage to get a victory, yeah, it's a 16-car field for the uh, the playoffs and there's 26 races and a lot more than 16 teams that I just named off there that are capable of peeling off a win. And to your point, the parity that we've seen these first few weeks and the number of uh, teams in contention for wins remains to be seen how well that holds throughout the whole season, especially as you know the best of the best build their notebooks and you know the teams that are sort of up and coming or working with uh, fewer resources. You know, try to keep up, but I, I think that the way that this car has been, been designed really acts as a catalyst to that parody. Now, it doesn't guarantee that parody, parody right. I don't believe, but it certainly lends itself to it. So, I mean, boy, if you'll have me on again before July, I can only imagine what the, uh, what the scenario is going to be. We'll, we'll totally have you on again because it, you guys are the host for two uh, races on the on the circuit. So you can uh, give us a kind of an early season update as you just did, and give us a, a, a I want to say a ladder in the season, see where we're going, talk playoff look and into what it looks like. You got folds coming up in like two weeks. Give us a plug for everything going on down in Atlanta. Yes. Yeah, so the great thing is is that uh, with this season we have practice and qualifying back. Uh, for the first time in a couple of years here. So on Friday, March 18th, we're going to have practice for all three of the NASCAR National Touring Series. That's the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and the NASCAR Cup Series. And, you know, a lot more intrigue to that uh, this year than in most just because of that new track that we've been talking about so much, right? Then on Saturday morning, all three of those series are going to qualify. And really, Saturday, it might be the best ticket that we offer because one ticket gets you in for all those qualifying race, uh, qualifying sessions. It also gets you in for the Freight 208 Camping World Truck Series race and the Nally Cars 250 Xfinity Series race, all with one ticket, and kids are free. So wow. that's a really great deal there. That is and a then good on deal. Sunday, yeah. I mean, 
my uh, our GM here at the track loves to say you could you could bring a family out to the race for less than it would take to bring them out to the matinee, right? So mm. uh, it's, we're we're right in that range at that point. So uh, really great on Saturday, and also we a lot of emphasis on our end of things because we can't control so much of what happens out on the track uh, as we can around the track, right? So after the checkered flag falls on the Nally Cars 250 on uh, March 19th, we're going to kick off a party in the infield. We've made this massive area that we're calling the Peach Pit. We're going to have a concert <laughs> stage with live music going on. There's going to be laser lights. There's going to be mechanical bulls, and there will be cornhole and all sorts <laughs> of games going on. There's going to be a jet truck going by just blasting fire uh, at some point. And, <laughs> oh, hey, cool. we're going to cap the night off with, uh, with a big fireworks show too. So really just trying to – get everybody amped up in the middle of uh, the race weekend there and get everybody ready for the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 on Sunday, March 20th. Uh, best drivers in the sport taking on a completely new challenge out here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So uh, tickets for that one start just $39. And the kids the kids are $10 on Sunday. So uh, really uh, a lot of options there for any price point and uh, quite the show that's going to be going on and off the track. Uh, throughout the weekend. Wow. It's it, it's nice to see that stuff come back because I know, you know, growing up and even it being able to go around the tracks that are here in the Northeast, it always used to be an event. You know, my dad would take me out for the weekend kind of stuff. I know when we last time we talked, it was bring that atmosphere back. So that's cool that you guys have encapsulated that. You're breaking in a, a new track and, and really throwing some fun for the whole family. Well, yeah. And, and I'll say, you know, we talk about how the last two years have been. We were just a few days away from having our race weekend in 2020 when everything in the world changed, right? Um, and so months and months of planning and you know unique ideas that we had to make these memorable experiences for people went down the drain, uh, at least at that point. Um, we came back in June of 2020 and we ran a race with nobody here except for the most essential you know fire ems and you know a, a few officials from nascar on the track and that was it and that was the least fun i've ever had at a track you know not having fans here and you know just the atmosphere that existed for that at the time it was great to get back to racing because of what all was happening in the world but it paled in comparison to what we were used to um, and last year, we were able to come back at limited capacity in March. And then in July, we were able to open to full capacity. But we'd only had a few weeks, really, to think about what the possibilities were for that and still balance, okay, where are we in all this? Um, for this race in a week and a half here, we've been knocking around ideas for a long time. And we're really excited to uh, show everybody what we've, we've been working up for them to have fun, not only watching the race, but like I said, when the racing isn't happening and when they're staying in the campgrounds or just uh, pulling in and checking things out in the fan zone and all around the track. And, uh, you know, just, uh, just a little teaser. We got some ideas for July too, that we'll be sharing too. So nice. uh, we're, we're very, very happy to be back to it. <laughs> and I, and I, and I it, it sounds like it sounds like road trip, except that the gas lane would cost us more than one of those new cars. So I, I don't see a road trip in our future for that. <laughs> you know, I, I might I might recommend uh, flying into uh, <laughs> airport. It's yeah. uh, just thirty minutes north of the track here. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And, and I I gotta say for for Tyler, you could clearly say and see rather that it is like Christmas for this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you are you are you you are not going to sleep for the next two weeks. For, for a number of reasons, excitement <laughs> and, and also all of the work that I need to get done between now and, uh, and the race weekend, but uh, not the least of which is that excitement for sure. And I got and I got to say too, and I, I said this in pre-show to you, I, you guys and your, your, your marketing and uh, media team, and you used to work in news, as you pointed out, clearly helped you, but each step of the track, you know, once a week, you had drone footage down there, I think one time down on the track showing what everything was done. I remember the one where somebody was behind the one of the just the i can't even call it a bulldozer just some big ass moving machine of earth and you just see the track just getting demolished and you're behind it and you guys really chronicled every step of the ripping up and the repaving and that was just cool to watch because you know that's not something that you you get to see all the time because it's not happening if they resurface you know you guys really redid the entire infield like you had said uh including the track and and that was cool to see from a 
you know, ours perspective from being away from that because not in Atlanta, but still able to see it. So kudos to you guys for doing that. Well, thank you. And and I'll say it was really rewarding too, because there was, there was a good several weeks there uh, when, you know, that was just getting started and, you know, we didn't have any events uh, immediately coming up that it was me just rolling into the office and saying, okay, well, I'm a race fan. What would I want to see? And going out there and capturing it and then seeing the response from people, you know, saying, oh my God, that's really cool. I didn't know they did it that way. And, and shoot, you know, sometimes I was looking at the comments section and seeing somebody say, hey, I wish I could see, you know, how they managed to, you know, get down the, the stone base or something like that. And okay, I'd go out the next day and I'd shoot it and I'd put it out and everybody, nice. oh, I, I'm so glad <laughs> I get to see that. So it was just this positive feedback loop that was going on for several months at that point. And, you know, it's studying to hopefully be a history teacher. That's the kind of stuff that in, in, you know, 20, 30 years, you can sit back and say, you know, I did that because the tracks, you know, some of the tracks are relatively old. And this is something that doesn't happen every day. And you chronicled from the beginning to the end. And I'm sure you guys will chronicle this grand opening that you're really, you know, the celebrating your grand opening of your weekend back. So thanks, yeah, man. We've taken very seriously documenting it, and I gotta say, we have terabytes of video at this point. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. The flaming truck is on the top of my list. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Throw that on social media. Well, well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time before you, you know, really go in the drink on on, on getting crazy. And we will definitely have to have you back later in the spe uh, season when we get closer to Atlanta the second time. And uh, awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck down there. All right. Thanks. See you later. Tyler down at Atlanta Motor Speedway. We got to take a trip, Dave. We got to get that. Uh, hey, I, I'm all, I'm all for it. <laughs> Let's go. We down in the down in the summertime. Figure out what we're doing. Yeah, I, except that I, you know, put like six gallons in the the car today, and it was like. $32. I was like, this is not right. So, and, and you know, that you know, the Jerry Jones types of, you know, the world are just sitting back smiling because they're, they're raking in the money on everybody paying all these gas prices because yeah. we need to get around. So, mm. all right, let's uh, do a quick commercial break quick here. Commercial. I'm really excited because I get to see it on this end. What it looks oh, like. All right. Uh, that'd be a real change. And then here we go. Let's roll. Visit My Little Falls and stay connected with the latest news, information, and events in the city and the area. Our mission is to generate interest in the community and connect residents in a more meaningful way by facilitating deeper conversations about how these stories will shape the future of the Mohawk Valley. Join thousands of weekly visitors who stay up to date with feature stories, interviews, videos, our event calendar, and print publication, the Mohawk Valley Express. It's about timely local news for the community, keeping citizens informed about important issues, telling about the people who live and work here, and giving locally owned businesses the opportunity to reach a very targeted audience of locals and tourists alike. It's a whole new form of media-rich content developed specifically for today's mobile lifestyle and listeners you can download our ios app in the itunes store listen to our country music streaming radio station or sign up for a weekly newsletter stop by today at mybunfalls.com you'll be glad you did okay so did you like it I did. It was awesome. All right. And Scott is right. That's that, that music at the end is like locker room. Like I'm ready to run through a brick wall now. Like <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> we're going to run through a brick wall right into our press box segment. So we're going to start with some, uh, championships being handed out in high school basketball. We'll start off with the girls this week. Uh, the Cooperstown Hawkeyes have defeated, uh, Wheatsport. The final score of that game, which was, I believe over the weekend, last weekend, was 58 to 37. So congratulations to them on put, capping off their season with a win up in Cooperstown. And then jumping over to the men's side of who was left, uh, New Hartford, while they're a little bit over in the Utica area, uh, in Class A, they were able to defeat Syracuse Academy of Science, um, which is great for them. They cap off their season with a nice win. And then here locally, the, the game that we were kind of talking about last week in Class C was West Canada versus Dodgeville, which is kind of funny that you got West Canada and Dodgeville. They're like five miles away from each other right over Bardo Hill, and everybody had to truck out to Syracuse to go to the SRC Arena. Um, watch part of that game, uh, what I could find online and, and following Twitter and everything. Final score there was 73-64 to Dodgeville. I'm sorry, to West Canada beating Dodgeville. 
and it's the uh, first time since 2008 that uh, West Canada has won. So congratulations to them. And then jumping up to Class B, uh, Chittenango uh, defeated Utica Academy of Science. Um, they had a nice late surge at the end, and that was enough to put uh, them over the top over UAS. So congratulations to all of our local teams here. You know, it, it's great. We would have liked to have more, but, you know, it is what it is. And unfortunately, somebody has to lose. But we have some really good winners, and congratulations to them for capping off their season overall. So. I wonder if I, I I can't play basketball. I give everybody credit. I, I I can I can watch it. I can I can I can plays make sense in my mind. I can't shoot a basketball at the foul line to save my butt. So awesome. Uh, jumping over to college quick, Utica College hockey team capped off their season with a you know in dramatic fashion, and that was just cool to see because I mean they've anchored the odds since before the Comets were here, and again. Everybody sleeps on sports here in the Valley, and we have a lot of college sports as well, but a lot of high school sports that do a great job. And Utica capping off what they had as a great season with a victory there was it was cool to see. Um, and I know Scott was following that as well because he, I believe he had he had four point. four of the players on last night. That's awesome. Yeah, and, you know they're pumped. And it, it, again, everybody takes a crap on Central New York, but we really do have a lot to offer. And I know they talk about that with the diamond dogs in the summer, you know, it's right here in our backyard and it really is right back here or yeah. right here in our backyard. So, yeah, they said that, uh, they were talking about the, they had looked up some stats on the fan base and they said, you know, the number of fans that come out and support them is just off the scale, almost beyond any other team. And, uh, their average attendance is more than the, the, first 50 teams or something like that it was something crazy That's so nuts. yeah they get great support and that and i mean that really doesn't surprise me especially with with as scott has talked about before in the hockey world because you know they're used to traveling in terms of you know fans and parents to get to where they got to go and and that's just part of the gig but at the end of the day you know the reason that we still are able to enjoy the Utica Comets, and we'll, we'll, that'll be the segue, I guess, to jump to them, still in number one in first place there. But the reason that we were able to keep the odd and able to have the AHL presence that we do is because Utica College in that in-between period really anchored the odd. Yeah. Um, and without, and, and I think that goes unnoticed by a lot of people out in the community that take the odd for granted. That place has a very rich history, and Utica College is good hockey. Um, and it's, it's great to see them. So congratulations to all the guys on there and enjoy their success, especially to the guys I'm sure that will jump to the next level that are seniors. So, so you're not going to say, you know, Utica university then, right? <laughs> and so the comments, <laughs> I have to behave. I'm trying to behave today. That was, a, that was, that's an awkward pause. <laughs> why, why are you, why are you trying to get me in trouble with somebody today? jackass <laughs> Utica Comets are still in first place Chris Azzo take that that's all I'm gonna say there <laughs> so football news a lot of breaking news around football moves you know we talk about in earlier with Tyler with the the chessboard that was NASCAR in the offseason football is clearly with the NFL in the offseason and moves all over the place Aaron Rodgers that's the big news there he went full diva and then apparently signed a four-year deal to stay in green bay i don't know how he's got four years left because <laughs> 200 million bucks that's what being a diva gets you i mean <laughs> for 200 million dollars you would be a diva too let's be i am one now and i don't get paid that's fair. That fair. We're doing this for free. For free. Hey, hey, VA, if you would like to sponsor us, please give us a call. <laughs> really? Damn V8 again. Right? I, I mean, I mainlined this stuff. but So he gets $200 million to stay in Green Bay, and then there's this massive trade being reported out of Seattle with the Broncos where Russell Wilson is going to be traded. They've got a host of people that are going up to Seattle for their uh, their quarterback who is still on, I believe, a rookie contract and a bunch of other players. And I believe it was a fourth or sixth round draft pick. And Russell Wilson's going to be a Bronco. And it's interesting listening to talk radio earlier uh, over last night when it, after the news had broke because working. So I try to catch up on sports at the end of the night. And uh, Scott Van Pelt said, it had a, I forgot who he had on, saying, Denver becomes an immediate contender. Hmm. So, and so Scott's got to be happy because it gets uh, Russell Wilson out of Seattle and out of his division over on the West, but they become immediate contender again. And I remember, you know, and everybody does what happened when Peyton Manning went to Denver. Yeah. 
And a lot of those pieces are still there. The front office is still the same. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what happens. And, you know, there, Gronk is apparently on the move. I've, I've heard he's going to end up in Cincinnati. I've heard he's going to end up with his brother in Buffalo. I've heard he's coming back home to Buffalo, maybe going back to the Patriots. So Gronk's on watch. Um, combine happened last week. You know, the draft board is all over the place. And what else is new? So even when football is not actually in season, it dominates the sports world. Yep. And I'm okay with that. And, so, and, and Brady's going where? No, <laughs> To the beach with his family. Oh, no. I I said I seriously said that I don't think he's done because they would have had to have paid him like whatever the the guarantee for the year was on the contract, and but then I read something that Bruce Arians was quoted saying the way they structured his retirement or however it was is he's not going to be able to go anyplace else other than Tampa Bay. Hmm. So I don't know if that was just him doing the bluster that they're used to and say, you know, he's our guy or because by all by all estimation, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady had a better relationship in some regard than him and Bill Belichick did when he was in New England. Hmm. So I, I don't know how that all works out. And, you know, it's behind the scenes stuff that people like us will never be able to see. Because... Yeah. Speaking of relationships, I mean, how do you think Rodgers is the relationship is going to be with the not just other players, but coaching staff and front office and, you know, based on him being a diva. It's, well, it, it, I, I don't know, because like if I'm Green Bay, I, I, I get why you keep Rodgers. I, I don't I don't I don't fault him for anything, but I think he is a little bit overrated. And I know Green Bay fans will come after me for saying that. But like <laughs> he's been there as long as he have. He has the storied career. He's a he's a clear Hall of Famer and he yeah. doesn't have as much to show for it as he should. Um, he, he's a Super Bowl winner, you know, MVP. He's he's got the accolades, but you would figure with somebody with his resume, he'd have a little bit more beef to it, not just yeah. lines on a title. And you know, well, I got the Pro Bowl. Well, if 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 you got nominated and you played in the Pro Bowl, you didn't make it to the Super Bowl, right? And that's part of the issue here. And when they lose, a lot of times, and it's not all the time, but a lot of the times when they lose the big games, it's something that the offense did, and he's the leader of the offense. Yeah. Um. And. And I will say as a Dallas fan, and we see, you know, what's happening in Dallas, mm. a lot of the times where he was there, it may have not been his fault because I think Mark, Mike McCarthy is really an incompetent coach. He's a good game manager, but in, in, as Dallas fans, we've talked, yep. knuckleheaded calls with a decent offense making that we shouldn't be eight and eight. You know, you had Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson and, you know, Adams for all those years and the defense that you had, and you couldn't put up another Super Bowl. Yeah. So, but I agree with you that it's going to be interesting to see how it is because do they just put it aside and say, you know, we still have this guy. And if you're that rookie quarterback that started this whole movement to, you know, he was like, I, I can't believe they drafted it, drafted him in the draft and kind of forced him out. And now they bring him back, but they have the rookie. They don't seem to have too much of a relationship. So, you know, watching next year, especially preseason and what moves happen to get rid of people is going to be extremely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like a soap opera. Well, I mean, the, to some degree, you know, it it's like Eric Bischoff at WWE always said, controversy creates cash. So for Aaron Rodgers, that clearly worked. He created all this controversy. Yeah. You know, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. There's really no options for Green Bay because, you know, it's got a storied history, but it's got some challenges in terms of players dynamic and stuff like that. So they paid him out and he just made yeah. out with 200 million with what, 40 or 50% guaranteed. That's yeah. a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. More money than we've got, or we'll ever see, probably. His pocket lint is more than I have. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, jumping over, to, and again, just to finish out, the combine happened last week. It, draft boards are all over the place. I don't think I've seen a draft board um, that stayed stagnant for more than 24 to 48 hours still. So, position players are moving. We're headed towards the, uh, the draft next month. Um, at the end of next month. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with this Easter break when teams are, you know, calling people and, and just the leaks that come out of there. So we'll follow, you know, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter just to watch all the behind the scenes stuff as we get towards the draft and figure out who's going one, two, three. So yep. baseball, massively disappointing. Mm. Uh, we, we reported last week, at, it had just broke. I think Chris was the one who had told me on the way in doing pre-show with him in the car heading to the studio last week that they had decided they weren't going to take the contract. And it looks like the lights in some degree are just, have been totally shut off. Um, Rob Manfred has totally lost the ability to do just about anything. Um, 
So I, I think, unfortunately, baseball is going to see a, a hit. We obviously know uh, opening day, which was supposed to be at the end of the month on March 31st, has clearly been pushed back. And I actually was talking with some people around the county, um, just, you know, water cooler talk, if you will. And I would be very shocked at this point if we have baseball before the what would have been close to the all-star break. And that's kind of sad because baseball fills that void here in the summertime. You know, it helps the local, especially like the Diamond Dogs. They get to pick up a little bit of it. But this year, I think we're going to have to be content with some NCAA ball because that's what we're going to get. Well, you know what? That stuff is more interesting anyway. You know, you don't have the divas out there. You don't have all this fighting. These kids come out here and they play with all their heart. And uh, and it's good baseball. It really is good baseball. I agree. I agree. It's just it's it's very sad because at the end of the day, and as we pointed out last week and and many other times on the show, and you and I have talked about it, is it's all about money. It's about that contract. Yeah. It's about yeah. what they're going to do. They and the one thing I will agree with the players on is is they don't want to play as many games in such a compact schedule. Which I get. They they could add some you know break weeks here and there, maybe shorten up the All Star break a little bit and give people a little bit more of you know breaks in the regular season. Some of that could easily be done. But the, the big bone of contention is the money again, and and it's really sad because it, at the professional level there really is no love for the game. And my concern is with the NCAA paying players that is that yep. mantra is going to trickle down there. And you and I are both college ball fans and that worries me to no living end yeah i mean money ruins everything to be honest well you're not wrong there yeah i mean you have money you can do some good things but just so much bad seeps in yep what what the golden rule he with the gold makes the rules yeah and that's what we're seeing well in that case who has the, the the golden rule is it the owners or is it the players who's who's got the ball in their hand right now so to speak. Well, I, I guess if we're going to, again, more more versed in football than I am with baseball, but I, I would have to think that the front office dynamic kind of works the same because they didn't reinvent the wheel. Um, granted, baseball has been around a, a, you know longer in terms of a league than NFL has, but I, I would have to guess the commissioner is appointed on behalf of the owners. Um, listening to Dan Levitard's show, and they've got a I can't think of the guy's name. He's got a, a podcast. He comes on once a week on their Friday show talking baseball. And he used to be down there with the Marlins. And and he talks about how, you know, they only need majority in some regard to get the commissioner. And that's what happened with Manfred. He talks about what led up to getting Manfred in there. And he's, he's there on behalf of the owners and the owners are worried about one thing, their, their, their checkbook, their yeah. bank account. Yeah. So, and, and to your point though, the players do have some money too, because if they don't play, yes, they lose the money in some regard, but the owners are taking a huge bath. Yeah, they are. So I guess both you got you got two competing forces, and that's why we're at the standoff because nobody's yeah. got enough power to break it all. So it's a lose lose. Yeah, especially for the fans. Who, especially you know, for the fans. Yeah. Sad. Uh, we talk with Kyle, or we talk with Tyler about um, NASCAR, and we saw Kyle Larson win in Vegas. We didn't really cover Vegas all that much because obviously Atlanta is his thing coming up. But this past uh, week, we had uh, Alex Bowman, who was there with Kyle Larson, finishing second over in Vegas. You know, a couple big crashes, pretty prototypical, nothing crazy. You know, some drivers after the fact really talking about the challenges that Ty was talking about. Um, it is really going to be interesting. And I, I, and again, I say this as a casual fan of NASCAR, more of a, a real fan of, of Formula One and IndyCar. But it, it's it's really reset the entire dynamic because you don't really have a competitive advantage. Yeah, they've got more hours in the in the cockpit driving, um, but that doesn't really do too much when you've got a brand new car that you're driving. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Ty comes up with. You know what happens in Atlanta. That's really going to be the thing because new track, still working on new cars. You know, and and all of the new changes that have come into play, it's really going to test the the veterans more than it's going to test the rookies. Yeah. Do you think is that 28 degree slope on the track more than any other track or are are there some that have more than that or some that have the same? Do you know? I was going to ask him that. I I, I he had said in there and he had said this last time when we were talking that it's the for the intermediate tracks, I believe it's the biggest pitch. But I, I have to think that there are other tracks that are a little bit more. Okay. Um. But yeah, that, that'll be a good question that we bank for, for next time because why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, and, and again, Formula One drivers are taking the tracks. They're, they also have some new cars with some new rules over there for the year. Uh, Formula One's already firing some shots because the Mercedes team and the Red Bull team are already trading barbs on who's going to do what and why and how. And 
We saw, uh, you know, last year Red Bull had took the championship with Max Verstappen uh, over Lewis Hamilton at the last race of the season when they went and tied. Um, but it's it's awesome. Again, Instagram and Twitter is lighting up with drivers having fun, everybody getting back out on the track. They're testing cars left and right where they are. And uh, here we come, I believe, the end of the month, and we've got the first race. So it's it's mm. going to be great to get that back too. So yeah. And uh, last thing we're going to do is, and I was reading this earlier today uh, on break, and I, I can't say their names, and I've, I lost the article on my phone for some reason, but we were talking last week about Ukraine and how people are all going over there and, and everybody's seeing the devastation that's over there, especially with the news out of the day that uh, I believe a, a children's hospital was bombed, which is absolutely yeah. atrocious. Yeah. Um, but they had some some semi-pro soccer players who were reported as, as part of the casualties that were over there in Ukraine. Um, they had you know they were soccer players over in europe and they went home and unfortunately they lost their lives in the fighting so you know this does now have a sports connection and i'm sure it won't be the last one and that's very unfortunate but uh well it already had the sports connection in all the sports that were being canceled all the true. events from formula one to you know soccer in russia yeah, so yeah they it's, lost yeah it's had a major impact already yeah uefa got uh, pulled their entire uh championship league uh and it was, I believe, in St. Petersburg, or yeah, I'm pretty sure it was St. Petersburg. That's gone. Formula One, as you said, it's been the Russian Grand Prix has been pulled. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've got the the boxer who's the mayor over there. He's over there leading the charge in his area, and it's it's awesome to see, but it's it's sad to see the loss of life and the fact yeah. that it's needed anyway. So, yeah. our again, uh, thoughts, hearts, and prayers go out to the people of Ukraine as they they fight this David uh, versus Goliath battle that we've got. So. Yeah. can't say that enough it's 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 very very disheartening yep it is as always uh you know coaches players staff uh please include us in your uh, sports reporting at sportsbeat at mylittlefalls.com for updates and highlights throughout the week follow us on facebook at sportsbeat with rob drum for all your local news sports and our podcast home follow us at mylittlefalls.com i'd like to thank ty for joining us from atlanta today I'm Rob Drum here with Dave Warner. We'll talk to you next week. 